Testing, there we go, it's my bad. Hallelujah. Open your Bible, if you would, please, tonight to Exodus chapter 23. And as you do, <clears throat> Exodus 23, I want to just commend this congregation. Uh, you know, as how you've acquitted yourself and, and walked out, as Kamal said, this last, uh, you know, since March or so, things have been different in the nation, haven't they? And, uh, you know, in fellowshipping with various local pastors and, and different things as I've had opportunity to do lately, it just makes me, uh, as I hear more, as I see more, uh, praise God, ever more grateful for you, you know, and, and your faithfulness in every area. You know, uh, a lot of churches, I didn't really realize this because I'm just kind of in my lane and in my flow, they're still not having services. And I'm not, I'm not, that's not a criticism, I'm just saying for whatever reason, their congregation, uh, leadership's conviction, whatever, and are not having them or having very, very different kinds of settings and, and different things where there's not kids' ministry, different things. And, and you know, Reverend Connell's talking about how God's been faithful. You know, we've been, I don't know, maybe we were the first to kind of get back going in Paducah or one of, one of the first ones. And, I mean, God has just been so faithful to our congregation, I tell you. He is keeping us, right? He is keeping us by His power. And uh, I, I just want to thank Him for that, you know, uh, that we can be here tonight and know that we're, we're in a place of healing and safety, not a place of danger, you know, and, uh, and threat of, of any disease. Praise God. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we took a special projects offering for the Children's Church Completion. And uh, uh, just to update you, you know, the HVAC, that's what we're tackling right now. That's a $23,000 bill. $23,500 is what that's going to cost. And uh, we had $4,500 come in on Sunday for that. And uh, praise God. We can do it in a little bit of stages. I've already released them. God told me. I said, he just kind of compelled me in my heart. Put that guy to work. And, uh, you know, when God says that to you, that, that means he knows that when the bill will be due and how much it'll be and where the money will come from. And I'm just so glad he's got all that in hand and I don't have to stay up at night thinking about that. But, uh, but for all the seed that you sowed toward that and, and then just being faithful tithers and givers, we're just so blessed around here. Amen. And uh, for your part in that, Amber and I are very, very grateful. Amen. So her, uh, my wife and uh, her mom, my mom, uh, praise God, are out making memories uh, on a little, uh, just a quick road trip. And uh, so, you know, it's important that you have good times and good memories. And I said, listen, we can make one service without you. Go ahead. Praise God. And uh, not sure that they're watching, but we're so glad that uh, they're having that time. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's get in uh, to the word. Let's bow our heads. Father, we approach your word uh, with reverence, with excitement, with anticipation, and with a hungry heart. Lord, there's healing in the word. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, that you sent your word to heal us and, and healed us. And so we thank you, Father, for the life that's in the word, the power of God that's in the word. And that's what we're looking to. Jesus is the living word and he is our healer. Lord, as I've already asked you, uh, I'm going to ask you in the people's hearing tonight, Father, impart by your spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the people tonight. God, we need to have a living, not just knowledge and information, that's good, but we have to have the truth of healing as a covenant right and how to receive it 
as a revelation in our heart. And so that comes by the Holy Spirit as our teacher. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm in faith asking you, believing you, to unveil this truth to people that they see the reality of it like they never have before. Father, for those that need healing tonight, I'm believing they'll get it. Praise God. And for those that know someone who needs healing, God, I'm praying that you're going to use every person under the sound of my voice that knows you as an agent and a minister that brings healing and life. God, we thank you for it all. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you're interested in the subject of healing. I'm not talking about inner healing. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, anything like that. I'm talking about healing for your body that comes from God. Amen. Now, God will use everything. You know, I, uh, I, you know, I just realized if I get my full regimen of supplements in me every day, that's work to do. Just, you know, oh, goodness, all this stuff. And, and He uses all that kind of thing to keep you healthy and good stewardship, good management. But I just thank God that we can receive life from God and healing from God on a supernatural plane. Amen. And uh, praise God. And so, you know, whether you're needing healing right now tonight uh, or you don't have a, you can't find a pain anywhere, uh, you should be interested. Because sickness is out there and, it, and you're going to need it sometime, healing. Uh, or someone you know and love is going to need it. And so let's, let's pay attention, get all we can. Amen. And so let's get over, you're there, let me catch up with you, Exodus uh, chapter 23, we'll start here, and I want to talk to us uh, tonight, minister to you about being redeemed from sickness, being redeemed from sickness. Now I think this is the third or fourth lesson in a row I've taught on Wednesday night about healing, and so I'm sort of building as I always do uh, on what has been said before, so to get the fullness out of what I'm going to say tonight, it would have blessed you to have heard what has already gone before. Amen. And you could go back on our website and Facebook page, different places, and, uh, and catch up with us. Praise God. But here in Exodus 23, verse number 25, uh, God says through Moses, And you shall serve the Lord your God, uh, and He will bless your bread and your water. Now, I just interpret it this way. Uh, amen. My food and my drink. My food and my drink. That's what he's talking about. And God says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. One translation of that says, I will take sickness away from your company. Well, I like that, that rendition, that, that translation, because it tells me that God will take sickness away from the company of my family. He will take sickness away from the company of my church as the pastor here. Glory to God. And uh, I've got some different translations of that. If you just bear with me, I could uh, find it very quickly. And uh, praise God. But uh, here in verse 20, well, let me make sure I read it all. Yeah, I'll, I'll take away from sickness uh, from the midst of you. Notice it, verse 26, there shall nothing cast their young. Uh, neither be barren. That's talking about uh, infertility or miscarriages. Amen? And so, uh, you know, if families out there uh, planning on having children someday, you should use your faith on that. God's got something higher. You know, uh, Amber and I, uh, we, we miscarried our first, first child. 
And I went to God very emotionally about that. I said, Father, what's up with this? You know, I'm serving you, and you just don't expect bad things to happen to you like that. And it was very hurtful. Uh, not, God didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, but what he said to me was, he said, well, son, you weren't believing me at all about that conception and about that, about that situation. You weren't exercising any, you know, specific faith about it. You know, sometimes we just expect God to do it all, whether we're paying attention or not paying attention. Amen? I tell you, if it's important to you and to your life, you ought to be paying attention to it. You do realize that if Satan takes out your body with a sickness, disease, a tragedy, an accident, you have to leave the planet. Which means your one shot to fulfill the will of God down here on the earth is over. Yeah, amen. And, and so we should be paying attention, praise God, to these things. Hallelujah. And so I said, well, Father, I repent for that. And uh, so my first daughter over here, Faith, uh, praise God, we named her Faith. That's where we got her name from. It's because we did what God said do. We believe God from beginning to end. And we never have had another problem. Amen. I mean, we really got with it. You know, Amber was born uh, missing some permanent teeth. She's still got baby teeth in her mouth today in a few areas. And God's really just kept those baby teeth. And so that's one of the things she said, I want all my children to have all their permanent teeth. And she's believed God for that, and they all have them. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So God wants to bless our food and our water. And He wants to take sickness out of the midst of us. There shall nothing cast uh, their young, nor be barren in your land. Now notice this. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now is this an unconditional covenant promise or a conditional promise? covenant promise it's conditional amen notice he said and you shall serve the Lord now I started reading in verse 25 and we don't have time but you know he said a lot before and so uh, to walk in divine life to walk in supernatural freedom and protection from sickness and disease requires that we meet our covenant responsibilities toward God and one of them is serve the Lord. So God has not committed Himself to heal anyone who's unwilling to serve Him. He's not going to heal your body so that you could serve yourself. He's not going to heal your body so that you could go sin. He will heal your body if your heart is to serve Him with your body. Amen? And we really have to understand this, that covenant is a two-sided coin in a two-sided situation. God has a side and I have a side. And we're so quick to blame God and to put the responsibility over on God. When in reality, if we just kind of did a, uh, even a half-hearted quick inspection of our own life, we could see, well, I've got lax over here in this area or some area. And we quickly get that turned around. When we do, just like the Israelites did, they got out of line. Sickness would get a hold of them. But when they repented, got back right with God, then they were all healed again. <laughs> Amen. And so I like this. Uh, the, some uh, translation says, I am the Lord your healer. That's out of Exodus 15. Exodus 15, you don't have to go there, verse 25 and 26, says, I am your physician. I am your life giver. I am the one that's healing you. I will make you immune to diseases. I wonder if we believe that today. 
that God is able to make us immune to diseases. So if, if you walked into an office or to Walmart and you just turned the aisle and you didn't know who was there 10 minutes ago and there was 12 of them that had coronavirus out the wazoo, that you could walk down that aisle and be absolutely untouched and unaffected because God made you immune to that virus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how you think, but I just read the Bible, and maybe it's just because I'm a simple man. I'm just a simple Okie from Muskogee that God kind of dressed up in some nice clothes. Hallelujah. But I just happen to believe that when God says, I will make you immune to those diseases, I just take him at his word. You know, the Bible warns us, Paul warns us someplace in the New Testament not to be moved away from the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel, the good news is really simple. Know what God did. Know what God says. Know what belongs to you. Amen. Do your part. and Believe what he said. Man, you're going to just really be blessed. There's nothing complicated about God's presentation of the gospel and what's available. But we humans, want it. we're so tangled up in our brains, we did it to ourselves. Approach the gospel very simply. It's very simple. If you will serve God and you will live your life right towards God and you have some faith in His Word, then you will not fall prey to what other people are falling prey to. Amen. Hallelujah. But I wanted to, to take note of this, that God said that He would fulfill the number of our days. And here's, where, here's one area where people are really tangled up. How many days should I expect? God said He would, for, if I will walk in my covenant, He will bless my food that I eat. He will bless the, the drink that I consume, right? And He will take all sickness out of the midst of me. Amen, if I'll do that. And uh, praise God, and He will fulfill the number of my days. Religion has taught us that God chooses the number of the days you get on planet Earth. Maybe you think like that. You're not evil. You're just wrong. You're just unscriptural. And I want to show it to you from the Word. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you want to, I'm just going to read it pretty quick, but it's not too far. If you want to go to Psalm 91, a lot of your Bibles probably got, uh, just opened to Psalm 91. Hallelujah. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible anyway. And if you're smart this year, you've been wearing that Psalm out. <clears throat> Amen. Don't you love verse 10? I have stood on that for you, and I've stood on that for me and my family, and God's been faithful to perform it. Verse 10 says, There shall no evil... Remember what I told you last week, sickness is evil? I have it right here in my Bible. I wrote down Deuteronomy 7.15 to remind me that God already said disease is evil. And this says, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. And I wrote in my Bible there, my body is my dwelling. Now Why? For he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That means he's going to keep you when you go to Menards. He's going to keep you when you go to work. He's going to keep you when you go to school. He's going to keep you when you go to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I didn't bring you over here to read those verses, but uh, we're talking about uh, how long are our days. Amen. Well, look at something that God said generally speaking here in verse 16. In verse 16 it says, For with long life, did it say short life? Did it say medium life? Amen. Long life will I, God, satisfy him or her and show him or her my salvation. So has God promised us long life? God, so it's not short life. Now again, we'll get more specific here in a moment scripturally. How does God define long life? Well, I'm 47 now, and I have a degree in sociology from the University of Oklahoma. I don't know what that makes me, praise God. But we studied a lot about the phases of a human being's life. You know, the infant stage and the adolescent stage and all of that, all the way up to, you know, um, you know, till you pass out of here, praise God. Well, I, at 47, I've entered into middle age, middle age. Well, I don't define middle age as long life. And God doesn't either. You with me tonight? You stay really hooked on. I can tell you are. But stay that way and you'll you'll get something tonight. Amen. It says, with long life I will satisfy him, showing my salvation. Well, let's look over here at Psalm 90. You're right there. You don't even have to turn the page probably. Psalm 90 verse 10. Let's read verse 9 and get some context. For all our days, the psalmist said, are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. Now, a score is twenty. So, right, if you're going to be a King James expert, you've got to go, three score is sixty years, plus the ten is what? Seventy. New King James just simplifies it for us, doesn't it? The days of our years are 70, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years or 80 years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. And what do we do? We fly away. Praise God. So here, God's, the psalmist is saying the, the years of man are 70 years, and if by reason of strength you could live 80 years. Now, 80 years is sounding pretty young in our world today. Glory to God. Dad Harold's, you know, just he's a young guy over there. Amen. Can Dad Harold expect to live on? Yeah, he can because it says, I'll satisfy you with a long life. Last I talked to Dad, he wasn't satisfied. Amen. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 6. Is 80 all we can expect to live? Because of what the Bible says there in Psalm 90 verse 10? No, I got even better news for you. Genesis chapter 6 verse 2. And God spoke to Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appear... Oh, I'm in the wrong... Let me see, that's not the right passage. Is it 5? Where am I supposed to be? 6 verse uh, 3, right? Oh, you know where I am? That's Exodus. (laughs) 
It's like, this is not right. I'm not even in the right book of the Bible. Okay. Praise God. Uh, Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now this is a real important scripture. You know, this is right after the, uh, the flood. So Noah is just on the other side of the flood. Okay? And so all of humanity, God is starting over. All of humanity has been wiped out. He's wiped out the giant race. He's wiped out all them. Pre-flood, uh, up until Genesis 5 and the flood, people lived 600 plus years. Sit, right? We read a genealogy on Sunday, didn't we? And we talked about... Uh, some of them live in 969 years, 949 years. Amen. Long time. And God, when He started over with Noah and his family to repopulate the earth, He said, I am not going to let these wicked humans live as long on the planet. Because the longer a, a, a human being's lifespan from God's point of view, the more wicked children they can propagate. Right? And the longer they have on the earth to commit sin. It only took about nine, ten generations from Adam to Noah to fill the earth with sin, so much so that it invoked judgment on the entire planet. By reducing man's lifespan to 120, he has bought him, right? Here we are in 2020 by the Gregorian calendar. He's bought him an extra 4,000 years. But to our point, God said in Exodus, the number of your days, if you'll walk in covenant with me, I will fulfill the number of your days. Well, how many days? I would say the minimum would be 70. The average, right, should be 80 or more. But if you had faith and you didn't get satisfied, according to Genesis 6-3, you could go to 120. Amen. And it might surprise you the number of people living today on planet Earth, well over 100. I didn't have time today to look up a, a, uh, an accurate number, but it's many. Right? So here's what I want you to see. To die before 70 is to die premature. And lest we think God is the one choosing the number of our days. Well, we would know God fulfilling the number of our days couldn't happen until you're 70 or older. And even then, if you want to bring before God, I would if I were you, Genesis, or Psalm 91, 16, God, I can sense you calling me home, but I'm not satisfied. Well, you could talk to him about that verse. Amen. And believe Him to quicken you, strengthen you, and allow you to live on. Till you get satisfied. Go to Psalm 55. We're just kind of laying some foundation. And I, uh, I, I just love in my ministry kicking over sacred cows. It's a kind of a pastime. But we need to have all these traditions kicked out of our thinking. Because there's, they're, they're entanglements for people. You know, my daddy, my, my earthly daddy, love him. My, my earthly daddy, unless he's changed, his thought is, we have an appointment with death. When you meet that appointment, you're done. That's just it. 
And the, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. My dad's a pretty learned guy in the Bible. Amen. I know, he's, I know if he's watching, he's thinking about Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. But that verse doesn't say what my daddy thinks it says. That we have an appointment with, we have an appointment with death. It doesn't say that. It says, it is appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. Amen. In other words, you get one life. Amen. We have a, but it didn't say we have an appointment on the calendar with death. That's not what that Bible, that's not what that verse says. Y'all don't have to pray for me. Daddy and I are wonderful. We're fine. If he was here, I would say it. Yeah, Daddy, you're wrong about that. And it's my pulpit, so you just sit there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Look at Psalm 55, the last verse in that psalm. Psalm 55, verse 23. But thou, O God, shall bring them down, talking about wicked people, into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men, one translation says wicked men, shall not live out half their days. But I will trust thee. Can you do something on your side where you could only live out half your days? Is that on God's side? That's not on God's side. These people chose to live godless lives. They chose to live unhealthy lives. They chose to be disobedient and rebellious to God. And God said they won't live out half their days that they could have lived on planet earth. On the positive side of that, if you read through Proverbs, read a proverb a day and, and just leave yourself a note to look for all of the instruction that specifically says in Proverbs things that you can do that will lengthen your life, things that you can do to shorten your life. You'll have a page full of notes. And those notes will all be things on man's side. It's quiet. We won't go there for the sake of time. I've got some other things we want to talk to you about. But, uh, you know, over in uh, Exodus chapter 5, where you have the Ten Commandments, the first commandment that has a promise attached to it is about honoring your mom and dad, honoring your parents. And it says, if you do that, it will prolong your life. You'll live long on the earth, and things will go well with you. So not only will you live long on the earth, you'll, live life, you'll have a life that's worth living. Come on, just by honoring mom and dad, by keeping the fourth and fifth commandment, whatever that is, the first commandment with promise is attached to how long you live on planet earth. We need to teach this generation respect for elders, respect for authority, respect for our moms and our dads. Now, I'm an adult. I've been an adult a long time. been out of my mom and dad's house a long time. And I'm free from the commandment to obey my mom, to obey my dad. They didn't want me to move to Kentucky. I did it anyway. I didn't obey their wish in that. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Amen. But I am never free from the commandment to honor my mom and dad. Always endeavored. Now, they could tell you I was a very punkish, you know, season in my life, but I didn't know Jesus back then. 
But since I've known the Lord, amen, I've endeavored, no matter how uh, I might think different or disagree about something with my parents, to be honorable toward them. And when I do that, I'm lengthening my life and the quality of my life. Now, I could, maybe I just set you on a trail. You could do, like I said, go through Proverbs and do your own study. But the time and the circumstance of your death, the length of your life, is far more up to you than it is to God. Did I, I gave you that in the Word. So how many of you want to live a long life? And you want to live your life broken? And in pain. Amen. Well, you have to understand, I have things that I must do on my side. You cannot live your life bitter, angry, unforgiving, full of offense, resentful, mad all the time. Because Ephesians says, be angry, sin not, do not open the door. To the devil. And it's the devil who what? Steals, kills, destroys. If you're mad, you better get over it. Amen. I mean, I have been, I think, legitimately shaking mad at, at people at times. And God would deal with me. You better deal with yourself. You better let that go. You better not go to bed till you deal with that. Amen. People are wrought up with hate. You can see it out there. Wrought up with hatred and anger and resentment. Yes, well, what happened? They want to talk about something 50 years ago. Well, no wonder your life's full of trash and hell and problems. You better forgive your dad. You better forgive your mom. You better forgive your ex, whoever. Amen. That's not my notes. I'll give you that one for free. You save your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's go to 3 John. You got a little more time? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we, we would go over these things. Uh, praise God. And I know most in my church here, uh, you've, you've had this taught to you before. Not once, not twice, but many times. Well, I'm going to keep you reminded of these things. But we've got people that have never heard, right here tonight, probably never heard this. Amen. And so we go over these things for them. Hallelujah. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray, or I wish above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. That's, this word was inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost breathed upon this great man of God to write these words. That's why it's in your Bible. The Bible is God-breathed. So you wouldn't be doing the text any uh, damage by saying, the Holy Spirit desires above all things that you prosper and be in health. See, that's the will of God for all of His children, is that we have a prosperous journey. Did you get the book? Amen. Go get the book. It's in, amen. But notice he said, I doesn't want you to just prosper financially and materially. He wants you to be in health. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. 
But I do know that the Greek language has eight or nine different tenses, whereas English has three. We have past, present, and future. They have all these additional uh, nuances in their language. And in the Greek, what this literally means is, is that uh, he's saying, I pray above all things that you may prosper and enter into and enjoy ongoingly health. So that's the Holy Ghost right now tonight. His great desire for you is that He would find you in health tonight. And if not, see when Jesus found that woman with the issue, uh, or excuse me, the woman that was bent over with the spirit of infirmity, when He saw her, He healed her. Right? Why? Because he knew she had a covenant with Abraham. She's a daughter of Abraham. And he wanted her to be in health, not to be in that decrepit condition. Amen. Now go to Galatians. This verse has just been emphasized in my heart and mind by the Holy Ghost all day today, real strong. And I'm like, well, Father, I know this verse, <laughs> but he's, I don't know it all. I haven't got it all out of there. Galatians chapter 3. I tell you what, when I first heard this for the first time, I was just rehearsing this uh, recently, the time that I stood up in the balcony of my denominational childhood church, and uh, the word of the Lord came to me saying, if you want all I have for you, you're going to have to let me lead you on from here. And it wasn't because what I was hearing at that church was bad. It's what I was not hearing at all. You know, you cannot have what you are not taught. You do know that, right? You, you, you cannot have, you're not that spiritual, I'm not either. That's why God has given us pastors, teachers, ministers, mentors, spiritual fathers, mothers. Amen? And I remember getting over into this new setting that God led me into. And, and no doubt he'd preached it to his congregation who knows how many times. But I'm sitting there the first time for me. And the man of God reads this verse, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law. Most people think that Christ has redeemed us from sin. You know the Bible really never teaches that, although it's true. That's not what this verse says. This says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Notice, you're not mentioned anywhere except as a beneficiary. Christ, not you, Christ has redeemed, that's where we come in, us, me, from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Or is, I'm reading the Amplified, is crucified. To the end that through, uh, through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? Look at these. Don't, doesn't that verse thrill you? Christ has redeemed you. Amen. 
He's not going to. He already did. Christ has redeemed Chris from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed Sister Gloria from the curse of the law. He did it for her. He did it for you. He did it for all of us. Praise God. You have to get this as a revelation. Uh, It has to start as information. But as you hear it, as you ponder it, as you confess it, it will get through the gateway of your mind and embedded down in the soil of your spirit. And when it does, it will come alive and your life will be forever, forever changed. Amen. Christ has redeemed you, sweetheart, from the curse of the law. Now, if this is new material, the thought immediately comes, what is the curse of the law? Because whatever that is, that's going to tell you the detail and the substance of what you're redeemed from. But can't you see that whatever the curse of the law is, since Christ has redeemed you from it, you should not have it. Does that make sense to your brain? Is that that good Kentucky talk from Oklahoma? You know, does that make sense to you? If Christ has redeemed me, us, from the curse of the law, whatever the curse of the law is, I shouldn't have it. He became a curse for me. As, As a substitute. So the curse of the law that I deserve, He took. It's very similar to what we studied last week in Isaiah. Surely He hath borne our sicknesses, He has carried our diseases. Well, if He, this way I think, if He bore my sickness, I shouldn't have it. If He carried my pains, then I shouldn't have pain. Whatever I need to do to come in line with that, I'm going to (laughs) do. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. So let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because you've got to go back to the law to find out what the curse is for breaking the law. (laughs) Y'all all right? Just act like you never heard this before. Praise God. Because the next time pain comes and the next time sickness and disease comes, or even if you're enduring it right now, this needs to dawn upon your spirit. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Praise God. You see, what do I do? What does a person do in the light of this knowledge? Well, you have to just believe what is written. That's where faith comes in. You just believe what is written, and then by faith you take your place in that. Amen. All right, Deuteronomy 28. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1. It says, And that will come to pass if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee uh, high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come on thee 
and overtake thee. And he begins to list the blessings. But notice the condition. If you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to obey, to observe, to do all. How many humans did that? None but one. Jesus of Nazareth is the only one who walked in the light of that law, that covenant, and never broke it. Every single one of us has broken major portions of the law. Now, if you really want to know what the law is, the law is going to include everything commanded from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible. But specifically, Deuteronomy, where Moses comes down, he gives the, the summary, the cliff notes of the law is the Ten Commandments. But the whole scope was dictated by Moses to the people and written down by scribes when he came down off the mount. Amen. Every single one of us is guilty of breaking one or more of these laws. And James chapter 2 says, If any man offend in even one point of the law, he is guilty of all. Lest you think you're doing pretty good. Amen. To offend, to break, to violate, to fail to meet God's standard in one point is to be rendered guilty by a holy God and deserving of death. Amen. Praise God. Not blessing, death. You're considered a lawbreaker. We've broken the whole thing. But see, Christ has redeemed us. So here he outlines for, for about 14 verses the blessings for keeping the law. Now God knew they couldn't do it. Well then why was the law given, Pastor? It was given to shine the light on man's sinfulness and their utter inadequacy, inadequacy to meet God's standard. And by looking at their hopeless disobedience to that law that's deserving of death, the intent is to show man his sinfulness and to get him to turn and throw himself at the mercy of God. That's why the law was given. Amen. The Levitical book, the book of Leviticus, outlines God installing a temporary priesthood because he knew they were going to break it. So what he did was he instituted a system whereby blood of goats and bulls and doves and animals could be shed to temporarily pay for or atone for the sins they committed. And so they would have to go and present themselves and, and present these sin offerings and blood would have to be shed and the priests would proclaim them clean and then they would go on about their merry way. But pretty soon the guy fouled up again so he's back with his bird and he's back in front of the priest. And you could see if he followed this whole system he's going to realize, oh my God, I, I am so sinful. I need God in my life. I need help. I need God's mercy. Amen. But then you fast forward... See, that was just a temporary band-aid so that God could put a measure of blessing on His people as they endeavored to walk in the light of His commandments 
and they repented when they made a mistake, and they were to have this constant picture, my sin costs blood. My sin makes something die. My, right? It should be a constant reminder if you had to live in that system of the cost of sin. Today we've become very flippant about it. Very flippant about sin. But anyway, Jesus comes along centuries later and he as a man fulfills this law to the jot, to the tittle, every last bit of it, perfect obedience. And then he gets upon the cross as a man having fulfilled the law and it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So when you begin reading in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, he begins to outline in very vivid fashion the curse of the law. Now, as you know, this chapter goes on till about what? Almost 70 verses. So we don't have time to read all of that. But it will make you shudder and shake in your boots. Let's just uh, do some sampling here. Look at verse 15. But it will come to pass, if you will not hearken or listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. This is what Paul is referring to in Galatians 3.13 when he says, Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. So when you go through and read this, don't read this in the sense of, yeah, I know this is coming on me, this is why I've got arthritis, this is why I've got cancer, this is why... No. Christ, you need to read it with the... You need to read it with Galatians 3.13 in your brain. Christ has redeemed me from this. Amen. So skip down to verse 20. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand unto for to do, until you be destroyed, until you perish quickly, because of the wickedness of your doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me, the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto you, until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither you go to possess it. The Lord will smite thee with a consumption. That's tuberculosis right there. You know what that means? I'm redeemed. From tuberculosis. And with a fever. Ah, fever. Curse of the law. Christ has redeemed you and your children, moms, from fever. That's why Jesus, knowing this, stood over Peter's mother-in-law and rebuked that fever. Amen. He did that on credit. Because he hadn't even gone to the cross yet, but he knew he was going to. He knew he was going to pay for it. Praise God. And uh, so it goes on, it says inflammation. You know how most people in America, what they're sick of today is inflammation. Inflammation's what's causing all the heart trouble. I'm not a doctor, but this is what I understand. Inflammation's what's causing all the plaque and the, and the dysfunction with arteries, the pain in joints. In, inflammation just, and a lot of it's diet and all this, but it's curse. Inflammation is a curse. Guess what? Christ has redeemed you from inflammation. That will do so much better than your glucosamine 
or you're anti-inflammatory, take them if you want to. But listen, praise God, there is nothing better, there is nothing more powerful than knowing Christ has redeemed me and you from inflammation. Glory to God. With extreme burning, with the sword, with blasting, with mildew, and they will pursue thee until you perish. Amen. So if you just read all this, uh, theologians and lay people have rightly categorized the curse of the law. If you read all the rest of the verses, you will find that the curse of the law is basically threefold. Number one, it is spiritual death. Spiritual death mean, doesn't mean I don't, I don't exist. It means I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a covenant with God. I'm not right with God. I don't have an approach with God. I'm not at peace with God. Christ has redeemed you and I from that. He is our Father. He is our God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of any righteousness we have, but because of what Jesus did. And that's been well preached. The second category that you find, if you just want to read this, is poverty. Poverty is part of the curse of the law. Why aren't y'all shouting? Y'all must have had a rough day today. It'll get more better before we leave. I am redeemed from poverty. I am redeemed from poverty. A price to redeem means to, uh, to sever from. I love that. To redeem means to sever from. I was once because of my sin connected to poverty, to lack, to not having enough. But Jesus in His precious blood severed me from poverty and connected me with supply, connected me with heaven's resources, connected me with Jehovah Jireh. I will never be broke another day in my life. This is a rich church. This is a prosperous church full of rich people and prosperous people. They may not know it all yet, but that's what the Bible has made them. That's what the work of Jesus has made them to be. The Bible says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was so very rich, yet He became poor for our sakes that we might be made rich. You probably don't know what God has done for this church. I, I'm just, I, wasn't, I was so thankful for where we started and what we had over in Jackson Street. I'm not diminishing that at all. But you know today, I would not sell this camp, this property, I would not sell it for less than $2.5 million dollars. We, low, we, we owe less than a million. We have tens of thousands of the dollars in the bank just sitting there for whatever God would say for us to do. Amen. We set out for projects and the money comes. Look at what God has done here. Amen. I've been the pastor here in November, could be 19 years, never missed a paycheck, never payroll, never late, never. Never late. We have never been behind with a vendor. Not one vendor. 
I know churches that live for years behind with vendors. And I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying it matters what you know. It matters what you believe. Christ has redeemed us. We have been, and I'm so glad, an example to many, uh, uh, and we're still way too big a secret, you need to get out and tell people about the church. I'm telling you, you need to tell people about the church. I don't even know where I was headed, but God has just been so good. So wonderful. And it's not because we're, oh, I was saying, you know, we've just been such an example because for the church, the size, you just talk about just numbers and average incomes and you want to do all that bank analysis, which I don't do then pastors and bankers and different institutions, they look at us and they don't get it. <laughs> and I will just have to say, that's the power of God. That's what faith does. That's what a covenant with God will do. He is able to save by many or by few, bless God. Hallelujah. You all know I'm learning this, but I've learned it to a good degree. You are not my source. I'm not limiting myself as a pastor to what I can have in life by your tithes and offerings. And I don't measure what we can do for God based on what you're giving. And you give wonderfully and you give faithfully. Amen. But I'm led by the Spirit. I'm led by God. And I know if God says build it, it will get built. If God says do it, it will get done. And that's the way you need to be. You're redeemed from poverty. You're not supposed to be poor. You're supposed to be blessed. You are blessed. But you need to let that blessing spill over into the here and the now. How do you get there? You have to meditate on this truth. You have to hear this truth. You have to confess this truth. You have to renew your mind to this truth. And you won't get there overnight. Amen. But my friends, thank God we are also the third category here. When you, when you just want to summarize the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28 is tragedy and sickness, disease, death. We're redeemed from it. Well, Pastor, how are you going to die? I'll just leave. I'll just leave. That's what Jacob did. Under the old covenant, that's what Jacob did. He knew the day had arrived. God had fulfilled the number of his days. He leaned on his staff, prophesied over all of his children. Climbed back up in bed, pulled the sheet up and his knees up into his chest, and the Bible says he gave up the ghost. He left. See, it's religion, it's ignorance, it's wrong teaching that has taught you that you have to go the way of disease. You have to go the way of tubes. You have to go the way of nursing homes. You don't. You don't. But you're going to have to fight because legally we're redeemed. But if we don't know it, the devil doesn't adhere to godly boundaries. He is a violator. He will, he will put sickness on someone who's redeemed from it, mm -hmm. 
but they don't know they are, so he'll do it anyway. But when you know you are, and you know when that pain comes, when that disease comes, when that diagnosis comes, you know this. That's a violation of my covenant with God. Amen. That is a violation. That is a contradiction to what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I will not put up with that. Amen. I forbid you pain. I forbid you disease. Right. You have to get out of my body. Amen. And you've got to get mean on that. Amen. I don't know, Pastor. You're just kind of stirred up. Well, you're going to have to get stirred up too. Come on, I watched my granddaddy scream and die from pancreatic and stomach cancer. And I'm not going that way. How do you, aren't you scared? No, I'm not scared. I'm not scared about it. I'm not scared of saying it. You need to, you know, really repent, kick yourself in the butter, let me do it, for joking about, you know, your elevator not going all the top or getting slow in your mind or you know, just like grandma, I'm going to lose my mind. No, we have the mind of Christ. People joke and they talk and they think it's funny and it's not funny because Jesus bled and Jesus died and Jesus was scared and He became a curse, a sick curse so that you could be healthy and you could be healed. Who are you mad at? I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at religion. I'm mad at man-made tradition. Praise God. Let's look at... Uh, oh, i got to stop. Praise God. But anyway, look over at verse uh, 60 of this chapter in 28. Moreover, talking about curses of the law. He will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they will cleave unto you. Verse 61. Also every sickness, did that say every? Every sickness and every plague. Would that include COVID-19? Come on out there online. Would that include COVID-19? Every sickness? Every plague which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until you are destroyed, except we're not living back here. Christ has redeemed us from every sickness and every disease. So whatever label you got, whatever diagnosis you got, whatever thing it is, you're redeemed from it. Whatever uh, hell spits out in 2021 or in, in the future before the Lord comes, and there's more diseases and plagues coming, you won't find Ebola in here, but we're redeemed from it. We didn't find COVID-19, but you know, back in the 80s, AIDS popped out of hell. Well, I'm redeemed from AIDS. Whatever comes out of hell, praise God, and medical science puts a name on it, it's got to bow its knee to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He already redeemed us from the curse of the law. Verse 14 says, So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Do you remember Abraham 
couldn't have a baby. Sarah couldn't have a baby. But he came into a covenant with God and had faith and they had children. So you could see the blessing of Abraham includes healing them. When enemies came in and kidnapped his nephew. Come on, Abraham was so blessed, his gun safe was so big he could arm 300 servants. Come on. And go reclaim what the enemy tried to steal from him. He was very rich. He didn't say he was rich. He was very rich in silver, in cattle, and in gold. Where did he get all that? God did it. God blessed him. And you there sitting there tonight in Christ are the seed of Abraham. You're the seed of Abraham. But you have got to take your place in that covenant. You have got to take your place. So many of us in closing, we have been way too accommodating with nagging symptoms, physical problems, enduring things we should not be enduring. Amen. Nobody's to be condemned or feel beat up. But stop putting up with even the smallest of things. I mean, all your sick days at work ought to be turned into cash if that's a benefit. You should never use one. I'll never be sick another day in my life. I knew I had a problem with a staff member. God bless this person. When we were holding a special healing service and she called in sick to it. That sounds funny, but that's what she did. God bless her. I said, well, that just, that just sealed it for me. You can't stay on my staff, my God. See, she, she does not see healing at the church. And I don't want people, I'm not going to pay people to be around me that close who don't see healing at the church. And a lot of Christians are like that. They don't see healing as, they don't see the altar as their place of healing and victory. They see the doctor's appointment. They see the procedure. They see the vitamin. They see the whatever. And if they can't get it there, they won't get it. They'll be like Asa. Remember I taught you about him, King Asa. He got a disease in his feet. And he didn't even talk to God about it. And he died of that disease. God was standing by ready to heal him. But he didn't even bring God in on it. And that's why he died. Asa didn't have an appointment with death. He neglected to bring God in on his situation. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up together. Praise the Lord.